You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. everyone and welcome to the Health Hub. I'm Kathy Biasa, your host, and along with our producer Alex Diaz and our production assistant Daniel Tersini, we would like to welcome you to our show this morning. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, guys. How are you? Good morning, Kathy. Yep, good morning. We're Every- doing well, thank you. Awesome. Do you have a nice long weekend, a nice Easter? Rested, for sure. Oh, yeah, no, tons of food. That night. Yeah, me too. Yeah. We had two Easter dinners, one at my place and one at my sister-in-law's place. And we had a couple of celebrations ourselves, of course, Easter, but also my aunt celebrated a significant birthday this year. So uh, we also had my family, my sisters and my cousin from England, as well as oh, nice. my grandma made a visit for this week. And uh, so they're here with you for the week? Uh, yes, uh, split between the families, but yes, they're they're here the week until I think Sunday. Is one uh, of your family members in the studio today? I saw you driving in. Yes, that's oh, my, nice. sis- my sister Gemma. Ah, oh, excellent. Excellent. Very nice. Very nice. Yes. The weather wasn't too great, but um, actually Sunday leaving from my sister-in-law's, mm-hmm. it uh, the sun started to shine and it was really, it became a nice day, but the, the Friday and Saturday, unfortunately. If, good Friday, it always rains. I know. It mm-hmm. always rains Good Friday. You can bet on it. But uh, really nice. It's good to it's good to be through Holy Week. It was uh, was very nice. Our serum, our services were beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit of a change on our Good Friday from what our church normally does, and it was quite nice. So it was very lovely. So I'm yeah. glad you guys enjoyed yours too. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm glad that you had a, had a wonderful weekend as well. Thank you, thank you. Today's show is live. Our number is 416-245-1534. You can follow us, and please do follow us, on our social sites. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We are at the Health Hub RMC. That is our handle. We made it nice and easy for you. And please feel free to email us at thh at radiomaria.ca if you have any questions uh, for today's guest, Sean, that uh, weren't answered, or anything to do with the show, uh, please feel free to email us. We love to hear from you. Um, we try and get back to you as soon as possible, and I try and answer the emails myself. So it's it's great to hear from you. And do please subscribe to our podcast. We are the Health Hub. We are on iTunes, SoundCloud, all the podcast uh, platforms. And you can also find our podcast on the Radio Maria website. And that is www.radiomaria.ca and on my website, which is kathybiasse.com. And if you like what you hear, we always love to hear positive comments. I almost feel that that piece should be actually put in the introduction. I say the same thing every week. There's no point in changing it up, but uh, I guess there's no other place for that to go. But yes, please do follow us. We'll we find have, a way. We'll find it. Maybe. Maybe that would be good at the end of the show or something. Anyways, we have amazing, amazing guests on our show. Great information on health. Spirit, uh, inspiration. Today sh- is a show of inspiration, and it is it is something you really are going to want to listen to, Sean. It's um, truly is a testament to the human spirit to this man and uh, someone that I admire greatly. That I admire greatly. But before that, I wanted to talk to you about protein. Protein is one of the three macronutrients. Uh, the other two are carbohydrates and fat. But unlike carbohydrates and fat. Uh, your body does not store protein. Well, we all know it stores fat. Uh, yeah, but it does not store protein. So you have to have high quality protein in your diet every day. And that will depend on your weight. The formulas for it range from a half, half, you know, I don't even want to go into them because I don't want anyone to say to me you're wrong because I don't know the exact formula. I know what I use when I'm dealing with cancer patients, but um, it, it ranges uh, for from whom you're talking to uh, the amount that is needed. But anyways, you do need protein in your diet every day and you need good protein in your diet. Uh, protein is an important component of every cell of the body, and that's why it is so important. 
Hair and nails are made mostly of protein, and your body uses protein to build and repair tissue. You can also, um, protein is also used for enzymes, hormones, and many other uh, body chemicals. And protein is an important building block of bones, muscles, cartilage, skin, and in our blood. So an important uh, nutrient to have in your diet every day, a little bit of protein with every meal. Uh, you can get uh, protein. I think, you know, we, we defer to meat. Um, uh, a cup of chicken is about 30, 35 grams of protein. Um, but there are many non-meat sources of protein, including nuts, beans, uh, grains, protein powder. A good protein powder will give you a good boost of protein uh, every day. Eggs are another great source of protein. So include them in, in your uh, daily uh, intake of food and try and have some protein at every meal. I wanted to give you a really yummy, easy recipe uh, that will give you a good kick of protein in the morning. Uh, this is not my recipe. I got this from TGI Paleo and TGIPaleo.com is the website. And this serves one to two. I think on their website it, sa- it serves one, but this really depends on how thick or thin you like your pancake. If you like very thick pancakes, then yes, this will serve one. Uh, I tend to like mine a little thinner. So um, here, it go- here we go. So it's three uh, tablespoons of coconut flour, a quarter teaspoon of baking powder, one scoop of vanilla protein. It can be whey, casein, pea, rice, whatever. Uh, I use whey protein. It's my, my protein of preference. Three eggs, one quarter to one third of a cup almond or coconut milk. Uh, you can use dairy milk if that's your preference. These taste delicious. Uh, I can really... we, Sorry, can we just make sure we, we share that on our social media feeds? Absolutely. That, that is... Uh, music to my ears. It's it's so tasty. I honestly, you know, my son says they taste a bit different. My one son loves them. Um, my other son, is, but I, I love them. They fluff up and you, you treat them like a pancake. You make them, you blend everything together. And again, just adjust your fluid to the consistency and the thickness of what you want. And then you you bake or bake them. You put them on the grill just like a pancake. You can use coconut oil or you can use milk. And what I do uh, to try and avoid too much maple syrup is I'll often make like a, a fruit syrup. So I'll um, mash up either raspberries, a pint of raspberries or a pint of blueberries is my favorite. Actually, I put them in a saucepan, add a little bit of water if needs be. Sometimes you'll get enough fluid when you uh, mash them up and just let that um, cook for a little bit, cook down. You can even add chia seed to it. Um, and then I'll add just a touch of maple syrup if I need more sweetening. And I use that on top of my pancakes. So that is one very high nutrient dense, protein dense, uh, breakfast for you. And, uh, that's got rave reviews. Unfortunately, uh, Q107 used to have this, uh, Kim Mitchell used to play this segment. It was called, I wish I had have written that song. Well, I wish I had created this recipe, but I didn't. Well, thanks so, for sharing it. Yeah. Creds to, um, to the people that made it, uh, made it so, but it is delightful, honestly. So give it a shot. Now on to today's show. Sean Swarner has been voted one of the world's top eight most inspirational people of all time. He has received countless awards alongside such distinguished individuals as Archbishop Desmond Tutu, has climbed to the summit of the highest point on all seven continents, and has reached millions during his travels and speeches around the globe. He is not only the first, but he is the only person in history to have accomplished his amazing feats and is constantly breaking through defined human limitation, redefining the way the world views success. Miraculously, he does everything after receiving a prognosis of 14 days to live, having survived a medically induced coma for nearly a year and with only one functioning lung. Sean is the author of Keep Climbing. He is president and CEO of Swarner Expeditions and is the co-founder of the Cancer Climber Association. Sean um, is an inspiration to those of us who have gone through cancer and to those of us who are going through cancer in an atmosphere where we only see uh, a lot of the negative of this disease, a lot of the um, unfortunate outcomes. Sean is somebody who exemplifies 
the human spirit who has tackled this disease and has come through not only with um, a stronger spirit, but with a willingness and wantingness to inspire other people. And this goes beyond those of us who have been touched by cancer because Sean as a whole touches the human spirit and he is a testament to where we can go if we make the conscious decision to choose. So this is a person that you really want to stay tuned and listen to. You may never hear an inspirational story like this again, and we have him with us. He's generously given us his time. We are going to talk about the first steps towards healing from trauma and what are some effective strategies for goal setting and how we change the perspective on impossible. So everybody, please do stay with us. Sean is someone you are going to want to listen to. We'll be back in a few minutes. Listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. Our show today is live. Our number is 416-245-1534. And again, do follow us on our social sites. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We are at the Health Hub RMC. Sean, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm actually really hungry now after listening uh, to, to how I can make some amazing pancakes. Right? They're so easy and so delicious. <laughs> really good. Good for a climb, I'd say. You know, you can pack them up and cook them wherever you cook things up there on the mountains. But yeah, 
Anyways, on to you, Sean. Thank you. I can't tell you how much I've been looking forward to this show, and I know you're a very busy man. So thank you for taking the time to inspire our listeners. My pleasure. I'm excited for the opportunity. So thank you. I think probably the best place to start, I I tried not to give a whole lot of information on the intro because I want you to tell your story in your words, take your time and really give people the insides of where your life was and is now. Yeah, of course, you know, back in, in, it was 1988 when I was 13. So if, if anybody's quick in math, they can figure out how old I am now. Um, back in, I'm in, doing in the math now, actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when, I, when I was in the eighth grade, 13 years old, um, I was going up for a layup in basketball, came down, and, and my knee literally snapped. You know, the tendons and everything just, just crackled. And eventually, I was diagnosed uh, with advanced stage four Hodgkin's lymphoma. So I remember one morning I was waking up, and, and this was, uh, you know, maybe a few months after chemotherapy started. And I was sitting at the edge of my bed and I looked over to my left where my pillow was and where my head was laying the night before and it it was covered in hair. And I ran to the bathroom, I looked into the mirror and I just kept looking at myself and looking at my head in the mirror thinking maybe I can comb it over, maybe I can cover it up, maybe I can do something. But I I knew it was was inevitable. So I I went into the shower, turned on the, the, the water and... It was, it was different because this time it was no longer, the water was no longer hitting my hair and, and kind of draining down. It was hitting my scalp. And when I was washing my head, every time I brought my hands down in front of my face, they were just covered in hair. So, you know, here I am, 13, you know, eighth grader, getting ready for school one morning, and all of my hair is just coming out in clumps. I collapsed to the floor, uh, down, down on my knees, and I remember pulling chunks of hair out of the drain crying my eyeballs out. And I was also thinking at the same time, you know, I'm in a position now where I could either fight for my life or give up and die. And I was also thinking about what my friends were going through that day when they were getting ready for school. And, you know, as, as an eighth grader or say even a freshman or sophomore in, in high school, it's, it's a popularity contest. And so many people want, want to be popular. They're worried about the, the nicest clothes, the, the nicest hairstyles you know, the, the greatest shoes and, and, and being with the in crowd. And I was honestly, literally fighting for my life as a 13 year old. You know, I went through, you know, six, I gained about 60 pounds, went through about a year of chemotherapy. So I, I like I said, I gained 60 pounds, lost all the hair in my body, lost my life for a while, but I, I was really focused on what was important. And it was literally living every day as though it was my last. And knowing that I had a choice in how I wanted to see life. And, and I knew as, as a 13-year-old that I could wake up in the morning and feel excited about the opportunities that lay ahead, or I could wake up and feel miserable. It, it, it was my choice. So as, at, at a really young age, I developed this attitude of, hey, I can choose where I want my day to go. I can choose where I want my life to go. You know, so after a, a year of treatment, everything, thanks to the, uh, the miracle of, of modern medicine, family support, prayer, and, and just the inner will to get up out of the hospital, you know, I, I finally walked out 14 years old as a hairless, happy, bloated young man. <laughs> and then... You know, and, and uh, yeah, it's, it, it, I was just about to say, I, <laughs> I was catching my breath because I wish I could say that was the end of the story, yeah. but I was going in for a checkup for the first cancer when I was diagnosed with another cancer. And, and it wasn't related to the first one at all. It was a, uh, a second primary cancer, completely unrelated to the first cancer. And this time around, the doctors diagnosed me with a type of, of, of disease that affects roughly three out of a million people with a prognosis of 6%. So let's, let's, let's do the math real quick. There are three out of a million people who get this illness. 6% survival rate. If you look at surviving both Hodgkin's and now Askin's sarcoma, the second cancer, the chances of me surviving both of those illnesses is equivalent to winning the lottery four times in a row with the same numbers. I mean, I'm, 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 I, I fully believe I'm a living, breathing, walking miracle. Mm-hmm. So this, this time around, the doctors put me in a, a medically induced coma because the treatments were so harsh. I lost the function of my right lung. So every time you breathe, I have to breathe twice. To, to make up for that because there's no oxygen transfer from my right lung because of the radiation. 
And I went through, again, another year of chemotherapy, and every time I was in the treatments, I was actually placed in a medically induced coma. I don't remember being 16 years old. So at 13 and 16, I was diagnosed with these two types of cancer that literally gave me an expiration date because the second time around, the doctor told my parents that I had 14 days to live. And, 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 and it's, it's, some, it's something that no one should ever have to hear. They're, my mom and dad's firstborn son now had an expiration date. Mm-hmm. And was it and, and, your, and, your own drive or was it the people that surrounded you? Like, is this, it, it's hard to believe that a boy of the age of 13 can change perspective on life so quickly like that without something or somebody talking to you and giving you encouragement the whole time. Was this completely within you? I, I would say it was almost like the perfect storm, but with everything good happening. You know, I, I had my friends there. I had my family there. I had everything in place to help me develop this attitude. But there are a lot of lonely nights laying there and, and keeping my eyes open because I was petrified, not knowing if I went to sleep, if I was going to even wake up the next morning. So I, I, I was almost forced to develop a completely different perspective. And every time I open my eyes, even now, every time I open my eyes in the morning, I feel how blessed I am to have the opportunities that I am going to have that day. Are you, are you beyond it now? Because, you know, you've done so much. I know um, for me personally, I'm not sure if I'm ever going to get completely beyond it, but do you put it in a place now, what you went through, that you're able to leave it there and, and completely move on? Or are you, like all the expeditions and things you are doing to inspire people, is there still a piece of you that is working on a daily basis to deal with the cancer diagnosis that you had? You know, I, I, I think so. In, in a roundabout way, you know, maybe I'm, I'm doing these expeditions, and I'm sure we'll get to those mm-hmm. to prove I'm still alive, but I now know that life is incredibly fragile, and I want to take advantage of every moment I have, and I also, I, I, I never want cancer to own me. I want to own the cancer. I want to own what I went through and turn it around. It, yes, it, it's one of the worst things that's ever happened to me, but in that same breath, it's one of the best things that's ever happened to me because I have a choice to see how I want to react to, to certain things. And cancer is one of those things that I can choose to react in a certain way. And I choose to react in a way where I want to turn that negative into something positive. You know, I, I, I never want to go through life letting something control me and letting something uh, have, have, have the, this, this fear over me. You know, I want to be able to have my own life and live my own life because what, what good does worrying do? Yes. I go in once a year for a checkup and you know, I, I do the blood work, CBC platelets, all that good stuff. And I tell my friends, my family, Hey, I'm going to be a different guy for the next couple of days until I get my results back mm-hmm. because I'm really focused on it then. And obviously there's nothing I can do about it. It's the whole year leading up to it, eating, you know, eating healthily all the, all the way up through there, but there, there's nothing I can do after they take the blood out of my body but I still let it control me a little tiny bit. But what's the point? Why would I want something to have that much control and that much power over me? And there's a humanity in it, because I think, you know, Sean, for the, the, the millions of people that know you, they see the climber, they see the man who just got married, they see your face everywhere. But the human, the human piece there, cancer touches us all differently. But I think the fact that you have made the choice like you have to live your life, you know, those two or three days where you're going through the testing, that's a human piece. And that's a fear that, that, you know, whether you're going in for tests for a heart disease that you have or any disease, because your story goes beyond cancer. It goes to the human spirit, as I had mentioned. You have to make a conscious decision, and I think that's so powerful in what you do. Absolutely. And, and the human aspect is, yes, I, I, I have up days. I have down days. You know, yesterday was, was, was not exactly a great day for me, but I knew that day was going to pass. And I knew that I was going to have uh, tomorrow as an opportunity to change what I didn't do yesterday. Mm-hmm. But going through, you know, anybody who's going through a, a rough time, try to focus on the good parts. And, and one thing that I, I know that I did that helped me through these illnesses and helped me going up the mountains, a, a perfect example is if you're walking down the street 
and you're constantly telling yourself, don't trip, don't trip, don't trip, you're, you're going to fall on your face. <laughs> but if, if you turn it around and look at it from a positive angle, stand tall, walk strong. It's the same concept, but looking at it from a different perspective. I did, the same, I did the same thing when I was going through my treatments. I wasn't focused on not dying. I was focused on living. And when I'm climbing, say Mount Everest, for example, I wasn't focused on not falling. I was focused on making it to the top. So I focused my energy on what I wanted, not the avoidance of something I didn't want, if that makes sense. It makes absolute sense. Now, b- before we go to break, I want to I wanna introduce the, the topic of your climbing. Why did you choose probably one of the most difficult aspects for anyone in general to do. Why did you choose with one functioning lung to go to the top of the mountain as opposed to water skiing? (laughs) (laughs) You, you and, and, and most other people I meet, they, they constantly remind me of my parents because, you know, when I told my mom and dad, I was going to go climb Everest and become the first cancer survivor to, to climb the highest mountain in the world. I remember my dad looking at me and saying, we didn't get you through two cancers to go kill yourself on a hunk of rock at night. <laughs> well, you know, that's a really logical response to their son doing this. I think if my son was going through the same thing, I might be the same way. So why Ab- the mountain? Absolutely. <laughs> you know, I, I, w- I was studying to, uh, to get my doctorate in psychology. I was going to be a, uh, a psycho-oncologist, which is a psychologist for cancer patients and I knew everything that I had been through. It, it offered me a little insight and in, in more, maybe potentially more of an insight than others into what that person's going through. And also looking back at it, you know, cancer is not an individual disease. You have that support group there. And for me, it was my family, my mom and my dad, my brother. And I knew that looking at it from that angle, I could really potentially help a lot of people. However, when I was going for my, my, my ed- education at university, I hadn't dealt with my own issues. I never took the time to look at myself in the mirror and figure out what I wanted. So I, I, I knew that life was essentially too precious and too short. And I wanted to, to help people around the world touched by cancer, which now seems like it's, it's a global epidemic. You know, everybody knows someone who's, who's, who's battling the disease or who, who's passed away, unfortunately, or who's fortunately a survivor. But I, I just kept thinking bigger and bigger and bigger. And I did some research with my brother. We founded the Cancer Climber Association. And I eventually became the first cancer survivor to climb to the top of the world because I wanted to use literally the highest platform to scream hope. You know, the human body can, riv- can live uh, roughly 30 days without food. The human condition can sustain itself for about three days without water. But no human alive can live for more than 30 seconds without hope. That is just so true. And that's where we're going to end off this segment. We're going to come back, Sean, and we're really going to dig into this, uh, the climbing and your inspiration and, and your message to everybody. We'll be back in a couple of minutes.
are listening to The Health Hub here on Radio Maria Canada. A Catholic voice wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, please call 416-245-1534. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. We are talking with Sean Swarner. Um, Sean, we've had a couple of questions that have come in, but um, let's just uh, first first off uh, to uh, Daniel. Songs are awesome. Thanks for the songs. Great songs today. I've had two people text in and say the same thing to me. So great song choice. But Sean, um, I got to say, when you were talking about uh, being a 13-year-old kid, losing your hair, uh, for anybody who has gone through chemotherapy, I mean, it just, you actually, I had tears in my eyes because as a 13-year-old kid, I, I just wanted to, to, to say this too, as a 13-year-old kid going through that, uh, double, I think, the trauma of what an adult is uh, going through with the same hair loss, I feel. Um, uh, you know, you so much goes into um, the social stresses of being that age. Um, I know when I went through the same thing, it was traumatic for me, and I just... For you to be a 13-year-old kid. So, you know, the more I learn about you, the more um, the more I'm inspired. But anyways, that's just my little kudos to you. Uh, a couple of questions have come in. How do you train? You know, anybody who has read anything about mountain climbing, I certainly don't know much about it at all. I think I read a book called Everest, so I know that you have to go up and down from the base camp. <laughs> but uh, um, somebody t- asked, how, how possibly do you prepare as a person with one lung to go up to the top of Everest. So if you could just, you know, maybe give us a, an overview of that. Sure. When, when I came up with the idea, um, I was actually living in Jacksonville, Florida, of all places, the, uh, the highly mountainous state of Florida. So I, I decided I, I probably shouldn't uh, be living there because I believe the highest point in Florida is the top of the Four Seasons Hotel in Miami. <laughs> and I, I don't think the hotel staff would appreciate me going up and down a thousand times in their stairwell. So I moved to Colorado and I moved to a little town called Estes Park, Colorado. And there's a mountain out here, and I, I live in Colorado still. Um, I, there's a mountain out here called Long's Peak, and it's literally 18 miles round trip, and it goes up to 14,200 and 46 feet. I don't know what it is in meters, so I apologize. That's okay. But I, I would do that literally once a week with, let's see if I can translate it here, with uh, about 100 pounds of rocks in my backpack, which is what, 40, 40 kilos. So I did something every day to get my body used to the altitude, to get my body used to what it was going to be like going over to Everest. And I would actually go up the mountain in bad weather, knowing that a bad day on Long's Peak was probably better than a good day on Mount Everest. But I also understood, and, and this, is, this is where my, uh, um, my, my, my cancer background really came into play. I understood that uh, consistency was more important than intensity. And that's, that's, that's for anything in life. Mm-hmm. So I did something every day. It, it's like the analogy of, of, you know, how do people get big muscles by, by working out? They don't go to the gym on Thursday and, and lift for five or eight hours. They go to the gym Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday for an hour. So they kind of spread it out. So they're consistent with it. I did the same thing with Everest and, and training for Everest. You know, slowly over time building up my, my, my one lung capacity but at the same time, I also am a huge believer in the, the, the mind-body connection. And one thing I did for my, uh, my, my medicine and, and the chemotherapy and, and my, my cancer treatment was, I don't know if, if you remember a comic strip from years past, years ago, called uh, Calvin and Hobbes. It I was do. about a young man who had his, his stuffed tiger, exactly. His alter ego was a, thing, uh, a character named Spaceman Spiff. So I imagine myself, like, like that comic strip, but in a tiny microscopic spaceship in the IV drip bag. And I pictured myself in the spaceship dripping from the, the chemotherapy into the IV tube. And I literally visualized myself where my body was laying in the hospital bed to my left. The door of the uh, hospital room was, was past that. The television in front of me and the, the, the hospital room spread out before me, the window to the right. And all of a sudden, then I was, boom, thrust into my body and everything became dark. And all of these other microscopic spaceships collected in the heart. And the heart, I could, I could literally see from inside my heart, the valves pumping. 
you know, they're just lubbed up, lubbed up. And then all of a sudden my, my spaceship and I were, were thrust through the body and I was going left and right, left and right, shooting through these, these uh, veins and arteries going through my, my whole entire system. But I was following a blip on my dashboard and that blip, that little light was leading me to the cancer that I was in charge of destroying. So I would sneak up on it and I would unload all these little microscopic missiles that were loaded with chemotherapy into the, the, the targeted cancer. So from the inside out, you know, I, I, I visualized myself healthy. And I, I did the same thing going up Everest, where every night I went to bed for nine months. Every night I visualized myself on the summit of Mount Everest using as many senses as possible where I could smell the ozone. I could hear the styrofoam crunching of the snow beneath me. I could feel the radiation on my face. I could hear the wind blowing by. I could feel the wind blowing by. You know, I would use every sense possible to picture myself there. So I, and I do this all the time. I picture myself with my future goals, living in the present with an emotional attachment to those, those future goals, but with that emotional attachment now. Hmm. I don't know if you remember Miss Frizzle on the Magic School Bus, but that's what that story sounded like to me, the missiles <laughs> ever. <laughs> just kept thinking of that. That's just an offside. Were you successful in your first attempt? Fortunately, I was. Wow. I, uh, it, it was weird because, I, and after I say this, you'll understand why. Um, I, I think I have a fleet of guardian angels working on overtime and I pray to God that never go on vacation <laughs> because on the summit push, when we were at camp three, so there are four camps going up base camp and then four camps from the South side in the fall, you stage the summit push from camp four. I was at camp three sleeping and getting ready to go the next morning to camp four, but I woke up with altitude induced swelling of the brain. Every other group who was on the same expedition schedule as us to leave Camp 3 to go to Camp 4, got to Camp 4, went up for the summit, bad weather came in, they had to come back down. They lost their opportunity to climb and, and summit. I was stuck back at Camp 3 because of this, this altitude-induced swelling of the brain, which is high-altitude cerebral edema. I slept on oxygen that night, rested at that same camp all the next day on oxygen. The day after that, woke up feeling 110% better, went from Camp 3 to Camp 4, Later that night, went up to the summit, and when we were at the top, there was a slight breeze. It was almost like that day was reserved for us to make it to the top. The heavens opened up, and it was just beautiful. Wow. Now, did you have to travel with someone who had medical, a medical background? We did not. My brother was at base camp with me. So, as you can imagine, a, an Everest expedition is, is quite expensive, and... I literally stole my entire life savings to make this happen because I, I approached numerous expedition companies and they all told me that it was physiologically impossible to climb Everest with one lung. They told me I would never make it past camp two because I just couldn't get enough oxygen in my body. But going there, I, my brother and I found uh, a company that organized National Geographic expeditions. And from Kathmandu, if, if they could organize National Geographic, I figured you know he could probably organize me. And so it was my brother at base camp, a cook at base camp, two Sherpas, which are local guides, and myself. And that was, that was all we had on the expedition. Your parents must have not slept for I don't know how long. <laughs> I, I, I think your poor parents, their son climbed. Anyways, <laughs> um, and, and since then, you have done the highest peaks on all the continents, and you've been successful in each of them. What else have you done? Correct. That's, that's, that's called the seven summits. And, and just a, a quick aside about my parents. I remember when I came off Denali, which is the highest mountain in North America over in Alaska, um, I was coming down. ESPN was there. They were doing a story. And I remember approaching my mom and hugging her. And as she was weeping, you know, she, she said two things. First of all, she could smell me before she saw me. So that's always a good thing. And then the second one was, I can finally sleep. Mm-hmm. I bet. Little did, she, little did she know that I was then going to go on and, and complete what's called the Explorer's Grand Slam, which is the Seven Summits and the South and North Pole. So I skied to the South Pole, and then just two years ago, I skied to the North Pole, completing the, uh, the Explorer's Grand Slam. And then just for, uh, for good measure, I added in the, uh, the Hawaii Ironman Championship. 
Yeah, probably the first one was the worst. And I guess after you keep pounding your parents with that, they kind of get used to it a little bit more and a little bit more. I can't imagine how <laughs> proud they are of you. What inspires you, Sean? What inspires you to continue to do these things uh, in the face of the challenges? You know, how many people in the world are affected by cancer? Millions and millions and millions. And those are the people who are, who are the real climbers in life. Those are the people who are really battling their uphill mountains. Because when I'm, when I'm out there braving the elements, I can always pick up the satellite phone and say, okay, I'm done. You know, get me out of here. The mountain's been here for, as far as I know, at least the past few years. You know, it'll be there next year. I can always come back. Someone who's battling for their lives can't pick up the phone and say, you know what? I kind of don't feel like doing this anymore. I'm going to come back and, and try again later. They can't do that. Mm-hmm. So I get my inspiration from those, those true climbers, those people who are really fighting for their lives, who, who, are, are, who don't have a choice. You know, I've, I've been there. I know what it's like. I know what they're going through. And I know how difficult it is at times. And I would just want to be a, a, a beacon of light in, in all this, this world darkness of cancer now. Yeah, well, symbolically, uh, everyone has their Mount Everest when they're going through cancer. But I think, you know, we always hear the negative, you know, uh, looking on the Internet and looking for, you know, survivorship is going up every year. But we still harp on the the other aspect of it. And I think, you know, of, of, of all the things coming from that place of having had cancer, I think seeing, you know, I would love to help change the face of cancer. And that's what you are doing. Um, I've spoken a lot about it, but you are doing it. And, and I think people need to see that hope because so many are affected by cancer. One in two is the stat that I've heard last. So mm. to see you uh, tackling it twice and beating it and moving on and living, I wouldn't call it a normal life, but, uh, and living life to its fullest. Uh, You recently got married. Is that correct? I I did February Mm -hmm. 9th. We got married and and if we can, she's Puerto Rican. So we went through both those horrible hurricanes down in Puerto Rico. And I figured Mm -hmm. if we can go through that together, we can probably brave a a life together with with no issues. Mm -hmm. Is she a climber? She is slowly becoming one. I take a group up Kilimanjaro, which is the highest mountain in Africa every year. We do a six-day hike and a five-day safari to the Serengeti as a fundraiser for cancer charity. And she's going to be joining me this year. So this will be, uh, she, she's jumping in the deep end without really testing the waters. We'll just put it that way. You sure like to push your relationships, don't you, Sean? <laughs> <laughs> but but they, 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 you always come out on the other side a lot stronger because a, a lot of people see things and you know, limitations, a lot like fears, are, are an illusion. They're often in your mind, and people are afraid of what they don't know. That's absolutely correct. Uh, one of the phrases that you like is um, you share hope. I know I've read that a couple of times uh, about you. Who do you go and speak to? Because a large part of what you do is speaking, is it not, going to different places? Who do you target in your, in your speaking engagements? You know, it's it's pretty much all over the place. I, I I've spoken to Google, I've spoken to IBM, I've spoken to Unilever, I've spoken to a lot of different corporations around the world. Um, so I've I've worked a lot in the corporate world, uh, helping people get motivated based on their intrinsic uh, core values. You know, if you can tap into your core value system, you can motivate yourself forever. But the 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 presentations that really mean a lot are the emotional ones at, say, um, you know, it, it could potentially be a pharmaceutical company who actually helps uh, cancer organizations or someone who uh, owns a, uh, a cancer organization or a hospital system. You know, I, uh, years ago, years and years ago, I gave a, a talk at Princess Margaret Hospital up in Canada, and mm-hmm. it was beautiful. And, and I remember um, this happens quite often where I'm on stage and I, I tell a story and I see people tearing up in the audience and I have to make a mental note. Okay, I can't look at you anymore. I can't mm-hmm. look at you anymore you know, because that, that, that's an emotional impact, has an emotional impact on myself as well. Well, cancer really doesn't go too far from the surface, I don't think. Um, you know, faced with your mortality like that, it, it is something that um, I can speak personally to. It stays with you. Uh, so when uh, people like you are working so hard to help inspire those that are going through, but even people that are working, the doctors, the the medical firms, as you say, 
How do you tell people um, to change their perspective on what's impossible? Mm, great question. And, you know, if, if, if you look at every single human being on earth, we are all creatures of habit. Everyone has their daily pattern. You know, the way you can change things is within the first 15 minutes of waking up, you, you can change your routine to something more positive. You know, whatever works better for you, whatever works best for you, but be aware of what you quote unquote normally do and be conscious of your decisions when you wake up. You know, that way you can start developing a, a quote unquote a new normal to develop those new patterns, new habits, or even better habits. But if, if people just realize they speak to themselves more than anyone else in the world, that internal dialogue is what people need to pay attention to. Because I read somewhere recently that uh, 50% of someone's day is usually just on, on autopilot. They're not really thinking. If they can pay attention to that and start making conscious choices based on their value system, you can do anything. Hmm. That's, that's amazing. Where do you see yourself um, the next 10, 15, 20 years? Are you still going to be climbing? Or do you have, have you thought that far out in, in your, your business plan and your life plan? Where do you see yourself? I'm, I'm working on a, a program for cancer survivors right now. And, and if people want to go to, to the next seven days, the number seven, the next seven days.com, it's, there's a guidebook that helps people uh, develop habits over the next seven days to, to, to get what they want, to climb, you know, to summit their own Everest. But I also want to put together adventures for cancer survivors. And I also want to put together these conferences for people all around the world to, to help them understand that we are capable of more. Cancer does not own us. And then it branches out into the corporate world where people are stuck in their habits. I want to help people understand and break their habits, to develop new habits, to make micro changes in their day, to pay attention to what they're talking to themselves about, to pay attention to how they're treating themselves. You know, how many times do, do people speak to themselves throughout the day and it's negative? Probably 80 to 90% of the time. Would you be friends with someone who's that negative to you? I mean, no, but why, why do people do it to themselves? And why do people, this has always boggled my mind, why do, why do people care more about what others think of themselves than what they think about themselves? You know, you're giving your freedom, you're giving your choices to other people, and you're making your choices based on what others want for you. As soon as people start bringing that back to their core values and what matters most to them, people will start being happy again. People will be focused on what makes them happy as opposed to trying to make others happy. Yeah, that's great. So you don't want to give away your power. You want to hold on to your power. And that is such an important, an important thing. Um, what's up and coming in the near future for you? More climbs? Well, Kilimanjaro. Yeah, Kilimanjaro is coming up. Like I said, I, I take a group up every year. This will be my 16th trip and we leave the end of July and we still have room if anybody wants to go. Uh, I'm sure all the contact info will, will be here. Um, it, but it's, it's Sean at cancerclimber.org. And then I'm potentially working on a project where, and I'm just going to kind of tease it out there, not say too much about it. But in the next year and a half, my goal is to run seven marathons on seven continents in seven days. Well, that's probably a little bit safer for your parents than climbing up some mountains. So that's, that's a good one. <laughs> are you slowing down at all, do you think? Or are you changing now that you're a married man? Or are you hankering down a little bit more? Any plans for that? You know, we, we just purchased the home, so we have the inspections tomorrow. We just went under contract, so that's going to slow me down a little bit. Uh, but she knew what she was getting into, and, and I knew what I was getting into with her. And, you know, there's that mutual understanding of, of, of support. You know, she, she just started her online business, and that's originsaccessories.com. Uh, and I think we're going to be developing a, a great adventure-filled life together. I hope so, Sean. I certainly think you deserve it. Uh, I wish you all the best. I think before we wrap up, I'd like you to um, give us all of your social media sites and your uh, just so that uh, people have them. We have put them up on our Facebook page, and uh, we will reiterate these again when we put the podcast up. But let everybody know how they can get in touch with you and uh, and see the inspiration on the social sites. For sure. It's, it's very simple. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, doesn't matter. It's all Sean Swarner. Just go to SeanSwarner.com. S-E-A-N-S-W-A-R-N-E-R. Like the Warner Brothers, but put an S in the front of it. <laughs> I want to thank you so much for being on the show today, Sean. It's, uh, you are truly an inspiration, and um, 
what you're doing for cancer patients, uh, cancer survivors, uh, is, is just outstanding. And I wish you all the best in your successes and in your new marriage. And, um, as you go forward, keep on doing what you're doing because we need people in the world like you. So thank you so much for joining Sean. My pleasure, Kathy. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It, it's been, it's been really great. Thank you. Everybody, next week on the Health Hub, we will have Nadine Artemis. She is the creator of Living Libations, and we'll be talking about dental care. Uh, Again, thanks, Sean, for being with us. And everybody, we'll talk to you next week on the Health Hub. Hosted by Kathy Biasi, here on Radio Maria Canada.